Tonight, I want to talk to you about something very, very important. I want to talk to you about the faith of God, the God kind of faith. And we're going to go through some things, so expect, expect to go deeper in some things. You know, the Lord's been talking to me about some things, and um, more than ever before, you know, if you look at the world, people in the world they live in one and operate really in one realm, this natural realm, right? They, their, their life is governed by what they see, what they feel, what they hear, what they taste, what they smell. But as a child of God, you and I literally are to be imitators of God. The Bible is very clear about this. Now, we're not God, but guess who you are? You're his child, right? Made in his image and likeness, and we're going to talk about this. To understand how to walk by faith, you must understand God's image for you. You have to understand who you are in him, right? So very important because you as a child of God, we operate in two realms. Do you know there's two realms? There is the unseen spirit realm, and then there's the seen realm, the natural realm. Well, we are to operate in both realms. We are to actually bring things in the unseen realm into this seen realm so that this seen realm becomes like God's will, okay? So, and how, how we do that is as we walk by faith. So turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 11. You know, we focus on verses 22, 23, and 24 so much because that, in, in my opinion, is probably one of the most concise, um, just concise teachings from Jesus on the God kind of faith, how it operates. But we want to get a full picture here and we just want to, you know, uh, we just, we want to kind of go deeper. See, this is what tonight is designed to do. This is what every service here is designed to do. God wants to wean you off all this natural thinking. He wants you to be completely weaned off living out of your flesh do you know Adam lived completely out of his spirit? He lived one with God, and when he fell, when he chose sin and died spiritually, he lived completely out of his flesh. He had to learn how to feed himself. He had to learn all this stuff because he no longer was connected to God. He lost that connection. But Jesus came and got it all back. So right now, you think about it, you are a spirit, right, that's alive to God. When you accepted Christ, he put a brand new spirit in you, and then the mighty Holy Spirit, who is God, right, he's just as much God as the Father and as the Son, right? He dwells in you. Why? so that you can know those things that are freely given to you by God, so that he could lead you and guide you into all the truth of the word of God. So it's very important as you get weaned off the world's way of thinking and you embrace God's way, you can live at a level. See, the world system is always going to try to subdue you and lower you to live like a more, just a mere human. But God has much bigger plans for you. Okay? So we're going to look at some things. I believe you're going to see them, see them clearer. So now here's Jesus. He, he, he would stay at his friend's house, Lazarus, who he raised from the dead in Bethany many times, right? And Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem. So here... It says here, Jesus, and Jesus entered into, into Jerusalem. He entered into the temple in Jerusalem. When he had looked around about all things, 
And now the evening was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. So here's Jesus, he's in Jerusalem, he's walking around, he, he goes into the temple, and what is he doing? He's looking round about upon all things. He's doing exactly what he's doing here tonight. We learn from the book of Revelation, what does he do? He walks around. He's walking around here. He's in the nursery. He's with the toddlers. He's down with the kids. He's in the sound booth. He's in the sanctuary. He's everywhere walking around. This is what he was doing. Then he came out and he walked back to Bethany. And on the morrow, the next day, they were come from Bethany and he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. Why? Well, because if a fig tree had leaves, it should have figs. In that part of the world, what happens on a, those fig trees is the fig grows and then the leaf grows over it. Okay? So, and it says here, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. And then it's real vague in the King James. It says, for the time of figs was not yet. Okay, yet was added by the translators. It's not in the manuscripts. If you have a King James Bible, it'll be in italics. The time of figs was not or not yet. And we sit here and go, well now, so why would Jesus be looking for figs if it wasn't for the time of figs? So if you study the language here, it was basically, it was not time to gather figs yet. The time to gather figs would begin right at Passover. This was about five days before Passover. So, of course, there would be figs on, on the tree. If it had leaves, it should have figs. But it wasn't the time for them to gather them yet. They would wait until Passover. So, whenever you read that, now you understand it. Aren't you glad you came to church? Isn't that just life-changing now that you know that, right? So, and Jesus answered and said to it, now this is a little odd, unless you understand how God operates. In other words, when Jesus walked up to that fig tree to get breakfast, he was going to have figs for breakfast, apparently that fig tree said something to him, you're not having figs today for breakfast. And Jesus answered and said to it. In the same way, ask yourself the question, what are the it's in your life? What is speaking to you? Does a joint in your body speak to you? Does your blood work speak to you? Right? Does, does some symptom in your body speak to you? Do your, does your finances speak to you? Does your job speak to you? Every time you get a paycheck and all of a sudden you're like, does it say to you, that's not enough? You're going to have it's speak to you and it's very important that you answer them. How do you answer them? You answer them immediately and in line with the word of God, Right? Jesus is dealing with a lack in his life. If you look as an aerial view of Jesus' ministry, he never put up with lack. And you as his child, who are to walk like him, should never put up with lack. Ever. And sometimes, now see, the world thinks of lack as I don't have enough for me. But that's not, you're a Christian. You don't live for you. So lack means I don't have enough to give everything that I want to give and do everything that I want to do that God's called me to do, right? So lack is a little different for us. We live at a much higher financial level than the world should live. Now that might tilt you a little bit, but that's why we teach the word, to renew our mind, to wean you off. You got to get weaned off that the possibilities are only what it seems possible in the natural. You gotta get weaned onto 
all things are possible to him who believes. Right? In order to walk out God's plan for your life, you're going to have to believe that. Right? So then Jesus answered and said to it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So apparently he said it loud enough. So now they go, they leave there. He speaks of that. They go into Jerusalem. They probably went in there. They probably went to first watch or, you know, whatever, falafel watch or whatever it is and had some breakfast, right? They came to Jerusalem and then Jesus went into the temple again. And, and what did he do? He began to cast out them out or to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple he overthrew the table of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. So in other words, wow, Jesus was not happy, right? And, uh, and, and things are flying. It's, it's a new day in the temple because people would set up little businesses and all this stuff to sell things to people and, and, and this is not a place of business, Right? So Jesus is doing that, and he would not suffer, that means he would not allow any man, that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. So, I mean, I don't think Jesus was a guy you wanted to mess with, right? Kids would run up to him, and, and I mean, they just ran up to him, which means he smiled all the time. The secular historian Josephus of Jesus' day said, I stood before the man they called Jesus of Nazareth and I feared him more than any army. Right? Interesting. So let's go. Verse 17. And then what did he do right after that? And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves? And look at this, the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and they sought how they might destroy him. Why? For they feared him. Why? Because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. They, were, they had never, the people were astonished because they had never heard anything so powerful as what came out of his mouth. Right? And when the evening was come, he went out of the city. So now he's in Jerusalem. He had cursed the fig tree that morning. Now it's the evening. He's walking back to Bethany, walks by the fig tree. Obviously, there was literally no change in the fig tree. Fig tree would have just still been standing there. Went to Bethany, went to bed. And in the morning, they were walking back towards Jerusalem now, right? And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree. So 24 hours later, right? 12 hours maybe earlier, there was no change. 24 hours? Look at what it says here. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, calling to remembrance, said to Jesus, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. In other words, the words that Jesus spoke did something. Okay? Now, this is what you got to see that a lot of people don't see with faith. Jesus, what, what it says there, it's dried up from the roots. What do roots do? They provide nourishment. They provide stability for the plant, right? Everything that Jesus dealt with, he dealt with the unseen. What's another thing about roots that's really unseen, right? Do you notice it says it dried up from the roots, so in other words, the words of Jesus didn't hit the tree at the top of the tree and work its way down, didn't, didn't hit the part that you can see naturally. 
it started in the roots. It started in the unseen realm and changed the seen realm. You have to understand this about faith. When you speak the word of God, you speak it. When you believe you receive your healing, that word goes out. It, it, it doesn't attack itself on the outside first and work its way in. Nope. It goes, it's working from the inside, the unseen realm to the seen. Faith is unseen to the seen. Okay? We'll talk more about that. And Jesus answering said to them. So now Jesus, Peter says this to him, but he answers and says to all his disciples, and he says this, have faith in God. Have, it's the Greek word echo. It means to have it. It, it, it could literally mean to hold it, to use it. Have, hold, use the faith that God has, the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. You could literally translate it any way. Have the God kind of faith, have the faith that God has, right? Have faith in God, and think of it as have, hold, and use. He is teaching them how to have the faith of God, how to hold the faith of God, how to use the faith of God, okay? In Jesus now is teaching these guys how to deal with everything, every, every kind of lack in your life. This, you're going to learn tonight how to deal and get rid of all the lack in your life. If you'll believe it and become a doer of it. And the Holy Spirit is here to help you. Isn't that thrilling? Wow. Jesus is teaching us how to deal with every unfruitful situation, every unfruitful circumstance in our lives. Jesus is teaching us as he cursed the fig tree from the unseen root. From the unseen to the seen. Unseen roots were dried up and then the tree, what you can see, was dried up. In other words, Jesus could go into the unseen realm of any problem and change it. Right? Nobleman's son comes to him. Man, Jesus, you got to come to my house. You have to heal my son. Jesus is like, he kind of puts the guy in his place. Unless you see miracles and signs, you won't believe. Please, Jesus, you got to come to my house. Jesus looks at him and gives him his word. Go your way, your son lives. The man had a decision. What did Jesus just do? His words went to the unseen realm. The man found out, because it says the noble man believed the words of Jesus. He believed the, could you imagine walking 15, 20 miles home? Your son's probably dead. That doesn't work. He didn't even come to your house. He just said, your son lives. But the man, it says he believed. And when he got to his house, the next day, he's like, his son was healed, and, be, and, and he's like, okay, so when did he start to amend? And it was the, the exact time that Jesus spoke the words. He began to amend. What was happening? He dealt with the unseen realm, and now it took some time, but he saw it in the seen realm. This is why you got to wean yourself off natural thinking. You have to. Otherwise, you're going to think you're going to look at natural things. You're going to mix your feelings with faith. And guess what? That doesn't mix. Okay? And everybody, I could feel it. Wow, this is like different. This is new. This is, this is great. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight, right? <laughs> so let's look at another example of this. Go to Mark chapter 4. I'm just going to take my time. You know, I don't know how far we'll get tonight, but man, we could go home right now and we've learned a lot, 
right? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. But we're not going to go home right now, right? Because you guys love your pastor, right? Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. And the same day when the evening was come, he said to them, he said to his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, if you take an aerial view of Jesus, he said this, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see him do. So why would he say, let us pass over to the other side? Because his father said, listen, send him away. We're going to, you guys, I want you to go to the other side. Right? So now, here we go. Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. Okay? A storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship. Wind. Can you see wind? That's unseen, isn't it? Waves. You can see waves. So keep that in mind. Okay? And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now, if you've ever been in a boat that was full of water, that is not a good thing, right? Just in case you don't know that. So, but I think you guys do know that. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. So he was at what? He was at rest, right? He was, and, and so... Here he is asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him. In other words, he was, to them, they were freaked out, but to him, he was just being rocked to sleep. He's like, this is kind of cool. Because he knew this, if his father told him to go to the other side, there's, no, there's nothing that could ever sink that boat. There's nothing that could ever keep them from going to the other side. So Jesus is resting these guys are a little bit freaked out, right? So here they come to him and they say to him, they're freaked out and they're like, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? perish? Right? You would think they'd run and say, well, Master, save us. But they're like, but when you're in fear, you say stupid things. Don't you care? Right? And he arose and look at what he did. You would think the big issue is the waves beating and filling the ship, the scene. But look at what he did. He rebuked the wind. He dealt with the unseen. Right? And then what did he do? Then he said to the sea, peace be still. Notice he started with the unseen. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? In other words, he expected them to operate in faith. Do what? Deal with the unseen, speak to the wind, and then speak, rebuke the wind, and then speak to the waves, the seen. But they had no faith, so what did they do? They got into fear. Okay? Do you see the unseen versus seen here? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? See, many times, why are we teaching on this? Because many times, if you're not weaned off the way you think naturally, the way you grew up thinking naturally, you will always try to solve a problem based on the natural solutions. But faith doesn't do that. You've got to see this. We're talking about the faith of God. God does not want you to look at the natural problems in your life and deal with that. You go to the root. What does the word say? If I have poverty and lack in my life, 
I'm not going to literally deal with money in my bank account. I'm going to tell Satan, I bind you, spirit of poverty and lack. I go right to the unseen because you deal with the spirit of poverty and lack. And guess what? Your finances will change. You deal with the root cause of all sickness and disease and your physical body will change. Does that make sense? The unseen and the seen. We try to solve problems the world's way. But we've been given authority in the name of Jesus to go to the root of any problem. Well, my kids aren't serving God. And you try to figure out a way in the natural. Forget all that. You stand up in your authority. How are we going to fix our nation? We start with the natural. We're going to pick it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Man, we got to do, you know. No, 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 no. No. First, we realize I have the ability to operate in two realms. And all this stuff. I mean, do you know the millions and millions and millions of dollars that's being spent right now so that some of these people that stand for very ungodly things will get in office? And to that, the church needs to say, not on our watch. We're going we're gonna to take authority in the name of Jesus, because you break that, that unseen and the scene will change. Jesus is teaching us about the authority that we have been given and the image of who we are in Christ that we should have. Right? We don't come... See, if you're a child of God, you're not trying to be successful. Because you can do that and you're going to get really into toil really fast. But when you realize, wait a minute, I became a complete, total, way beyond natural, supernatural success the moment I received Christ. I've been given everything. So now I am ultimate success. And now I stand in my life at peace and at rest with the word of God in my heart coming out of my mouth, and I start to speak. And I'm, and I'm submitted to God, so I'm willing to do whatever in the natural he wants me to do. There's no pride. I'm walking in love. I don't have any competitors. So I could actually bless my competition. Doesn't matter. And, and, and what I do is I make everything in my life that in the natural is telling me I'm not successful... I use the word of God and make it all come in line. It all has to bow to the name of Jesus. You can change your business. You could call money in. You could change your physical body. Why? See, God, now, now can you do that in yourself? No, 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 no. You're not made to do anything alone. You've been made in the image and likeness of God. You do everything with him. You believe, you speak, he performs. That's the way it works, right? There are things that are crafted in the world system by Satan to contain you. He doesn't ever want you to know who you are in Christ. To keep you from moving into the potential that you have been given in Christ. The world system, he'll use people, he'll use places, circumstances, things to try to contain you so that you get convinced there is no way that I can do that from where I'm at. And it's just all a lie. Faith. Wow. He wants to keep you from moving into God's best for you. You know what that is? That's your inheritance that you've already been given. He prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Everything, he blessed you with everything that pertains to life and godliness. 
every desire of your heart is already met by him. You just can't see it. But the unseen realm is more real than the seen realm. I had never even met, I grew up in Illinois. I never met one person from Iowa until she came all the way to California and God hand-delivered my wife to me. Why? He had already provided that. But I couldn't see it. So what did I have to do? I had to, you know, I had to keep myself believing that God was faithful. No way in the natural. See, don't worry about this stuff. God will move heaven and earth because it's already done. That's what Satan doesn't want you to know. Your healing's already been provided. Way before the first symptom hits your body, your healing's already been provided. See, Satan wants you, he wants to contain your potential. What is potential? It's the unseen ability that is in you. We call that the grace of God. It's his ability empowering your ability, and he walks it out. So now let's look. Let's keep that. So we got through verse 22. You guys doing okay? Verse 23. Now he's going to start talking about the operation of faith. Okay? This is, verse 23 is faith against something. Anything unfruitful, anything coming against you, anything, this is how you deal with it. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, notice, it doesn't say whosoever shall run to me and start talking to me about the mountain. It says whoever will say to the mountain. Jesus did not talk to his father about the fig tree. Father, come on, man, I'm hungry. I'm down here serving you. I got to put up with all these, all these, I mean, come on, the 12 disciples, Peter's mouth, you know, James and John wanting to call down fire. They don't believe, I mean, come on, at least I could have some figs. I mean, Father, I created this stupid thing, right? No, he didn't talk to his father. He spoke to it. So don't stop talking to God about things you need to be speaking to. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about your God. That's faith. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, get out of my life. Get out of my way, get out of my life, get out of my body, get out of my finances, right? And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. The Bible says he will have whatsoever he says. Faith against something. Notice saying three times... Believing one time is mentioned. But what do we talk about as Christians? Believing, but we don't speak. But here's the deal. If you're, if you're full of the word, you will speak. Right? When we See, here's the thing. you got to get this. When you embrace a truth, you will talk about it. Right? I mean, all the way down to a movie. Go to a movie, and you think it's awesome. Man, you just want to talk about it. Go to a restaurant that's awesome, and you're like, hey, I got to tell people. When you embrace, see, if you'll meditate in the word of God until that light goes off on the inside of you, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Not only is God a healer, he's my healer. You're going to want to talk about it. Witnessing, witnessing becomes a second nature Right? You and I will never rise above our confession. Satan knows this. 
That's why God says, don't ever allow the word to depart from your mouth. And you're not, see, we're not confessing what we can do. We're confessing what God has already done. In other words, we just walk around bragging on God. Oh, Satan, you think you're going to kill me with sickness and disease? No, Jesus bore it. It is written, it is written, it is written. Pretty soon, sickness starts freaking out. The demons are like, oh my gosh. And you're, then, you, then on faith, you curse that thing. You command it to leave your body. But see, you can't talk doubt and talk faith. It doesn't work that way. You can't be double-minded. If I say what God says... I will have what he says. Does that make sense? Satan knows this. So do you see that your Satan's not the determining factor? Your background, your past is not the determining factor. You will have what you say. Oh, if we could get that. I believe I'm looking at a bunch of people that are getting it. And realize this, guys, you're going to always have what you say not what you believe. It's going to come down to what you say. Right? Let me just get in my quiet place and listen, you know, listen to some worship music and just so I could so I could feel like this thing's working out. I just need to feel it. No you don't. You don't need to feel it at all because I got to tell you faith has a lot of feelings after cuz when you start realizing wow Every word in here, the God of the universe who's holding everything together will bring it to pass. So now we realize that, wow, my words govern my life. My words do. And I could say what he says and he'll perform it and I'll have what he says. Isn't that amazing? Verse 24, now Jesus is going to talk about faith to receive something. Receive what? Desires, the things that you desire. Desire, that word literally means of the Father. In other words, God, God literally, his word comes into your heart. His will comes into your heart in the form of his word. But his, his will comes out of your heart in the form of desires. And then when you desire something, it, look, at, look at what it says. Therefore I say unto you, therefore, why? You got to look at what it's there for, right? Because of the truth that if I say to a mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and I don't doubt in my heart, but I believe that those things which I say will come to pass, I'll have whatsoever I say. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Now, this is an interesting word because it's translated desire. It's the Greek word that's always translated in the New Testament, ask. And it doesn't mean ask, oh, Father, please give it to me. No, it means call for. It means make a demand for and require why? What do you mean? I mean, you mean even when I pray for a desire of my heart, I call for it? Do you know why you can't ask God and, and you go to God and go, okay, God, can you please give this to me? And, and then, then God says, okay, I will give it to you. That's impossible because he's already given you everything. So that's how come you, when, when a desire comes up in your heart, you call for it. Father, right now, I'm calling for this. I'm making a demand for it. I need this in my life. Why? Because it's a desire. You want me to have it. I require this in my life. Right? Do you know, do you know in order to walk out God's plan for your life, it's going to require a lot more money than you could make in your job. 
If you really want to stand before the Lord, and I mean, there are people, I mean, what, what if God's plan for your life, you're, you're sitting here, you make $50,000 a year or $30,000 a year, and God calls you to give a million dollars somewhere. What are you going to do? Well, you know, if I, if I work for, if I, if I make 30000 a year and I work for 33 years and I give everything and don't pay my taxes, maybe. No, 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 no. Right? We got to wean ourselves off the natural. Do you know how many people rely? Well, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I make enough money, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not materialistic, I just have enough and, and it's good. I'm not, you know? No, that's not why you're here. What things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe that you receive them. That means, that's the Greek word receive, lumbano. You believe that you reach into the unseen realm and seize hold of it. Now you can't feel it, you can't see it, you can't, you can't hear it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it, but you know, how do you know? Well, because I heard the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and I just seized hold of it. Believe that you receive it and, and God says, and you'll have it. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I love that. Them. Do you see how when you start to talk about desires, it's not just singular? Because God wants you to have a lot of stuff. Right? Because you need stuff for your own life, but you've got to give away a lot of stuff. To blow people away so that they can see how good God is. Moffat's translation of verse 24 is awesome. James Moffat. He says it this way. So I tell you, whatever you pray for and ask... Believe that you've got it, and you'll have it. Believe that you've got it. When do you do that? When you pray. So should you ever complain? Never. If you are complaining, that means no faith. That's not weak faith. That's zero faith. And you are not made to have zero faith. Right? You're made to live and walk by faith. See, you can possess something that you don't own, right? You can go take possession of something. Tonight, there's people in Omaha that are going to break in and maybe take possession of some things that they don't own, right? But here's the other end of that. You can own things that you never possess, and that's where a lot of Christians are. God wants you to get, get possession of everything he's given you. He loves you. You need it. All of your fruit need to see it in your life. Right? So, faith. So now let's talk about a big, let's talk about the image part. The image. Okay? Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. I have, like, I have some different scriptures, but I, I got to see if I'm supposed to go there yet. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what it says. It says, be ye followers, Ephesians 5, 1, of God. This word followers means be an imitator of God. Well, that's kind of setting the bar pretty high. How are you to act like God? Well, I mean, we are the body of Christ, right? Our Heavenly Father believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth. And that's what he wants you to do. You've heard me talk about confession. That's why it's the Greek word homo logeo. It means to say the same thing. Our Father wants you to imitate him. He wants you to say what he says 
in every situation of your life. He never wants you to say anything apart from that. What you don't realize is when you start speaking that nonsense that he didn't say, you are empowering the enemy. My throat really hurts today. Guess what you just did? You just gave demonic sickness and disease a legal right to keep going. <clears throat> Instead of calling those things that be not as though they are. Right? Sometimes when I preach, it's, it's kind of hilarious to me. Do you know my throat's not hurting at all right now? But it's kind of raspy. That's demonic. <clears throat> I mean, I feel great. But he doesn't want this message preached. Which tells me this message is going to reach a lot more people and do a lot more, and right? He hates this stuff. The Greek word homologeo, never let, never let the word depart out of your mouth. Biblical confession means that we agree with God by saying what he said. We humble ourselves. You have to. You got to humble yourselves to say what he said instead of speaking what you're feeling, what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Isn't it right? Man, especially the feeling one. Oh. Right? You just feel like, I just need to be real. No, you don't need to be real carnal. Right? You don't need that because it will take you deeper. Nobody ever wins an argument in marriage. Well, I shouldn't say that. Satan wins. Right? So let's talk about this, be imitators of God. Look at John chapter 14. I want to show you in the mouth of a few witnesses here what God's word says to you. <clears throat> John 14, verse 8. Philip said unto Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest you, show us the Father? Thomas or Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Do you say you're in Christ? Then you should walk as Jesus walked. Wow, that's kind of a big thing. Colossians 1.15, who, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is the visible form of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. Hebrews 1.3, who, talking about Jesus, being the brightness of his, God the Father's glory. Jesus is the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person. So this, this word image, it's a masculine noun. It literally means character. It means an exact representation, an exact expression. It literally, that you get your word, an impression or a stamp from it. If you were to stamp the Father, it would look like Jesus because he was the exact image. And the Bible is telling us if you say you're in him, if you say you're born again, you're supposed to walk like he walks. Yeah. <clears throat> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to figure this out. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. Yes. He will teach you how to do this. I love that. It says, and upholding all things by the word of his power, 
when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Look at another scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with an open face, an unveiled face, a face that has had the veil removed, beholding as in a glass, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That tells me, as I peer into the Word by meditating in it, I am changed into the same image so that I could walk as He walks, so that I could be an imitator of God. Do you see how we've lessened the bar? So now let me really rock your world. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man after our image. See, you got to know that you were made in the very image of God. And after our likeness, not only it image, I'm made in the image of God. Well, what do you mean? <clears throat> God is, everybody says God is spirit, like he's some just woo-woo. No, no, God is a spirit. You, what is man? Man is a spirit. He possesses a soul and he lives in a physical body. But who is he? He is a spirit. Right? This, this physical body you see is my earth suit. If I, if I don't have this, I can't operate in this earth realm. That's why Jesus had to take upon himself flesh. <clears throat> So look at this, and after our likeness, in other words, God made you to act like him. Wow. And let them have dominion. Well, I'll teach you about sovereignty. This word dominion literally means <clears throat> the right and the power to rule and govern. It literally means sovereign authority. As God, his sovereign authority in heaven, he's given man to have sovereign authority on the earth. That's why he looked at Moses and he says, why are you asking me to help you? Take the, what I gave you, the rod, use it, and part the Red Sea. And it said when Moses did what God said, God parted the Red Sea. <clears throat> right? Look at this and let them have dominion. Now he's going to give us the parameters. This is going to make a lot of things make sense when you read this. Over the fish of the sea, and every fisherman said, amen. <laughs> Call them in. I'm not wasting my time. Right? We have dominion over the fish of the sea. That's really good. <clears throat> when I go in the ocean... This week, well, probably next week, I'm not going to go in the ocean in Pismo. It's too cold, but it's southern. When we go in the ocean next week, I will take authority over everything in there. So I will not be stung by any jellyfish, right? I mean, you don't deal with that too much in California. You got to go to the counterfeit Atlantic or something where they have more of that stuff. But I, I couldn't miss that one. It's okay. You guys love me. <clears throat> I also have dominion over the fowl of the air. That's good. Over the cattle. You know, if you like steak, it's good that you have dominion over cattle, right? But look at the next one. Pastor, this is saying I have sovereign authority and dominion over what? All the earth. Moses at the Red Sea. He lifted a staff and the sea parted. Have you ever seen that? And it stood there. And then the wind came and dried it so that they could walk over on dry ground. <clears throat> Joshua is in a battle 
and the sun's going down and they're winning. And Joshua looks up at the sun and commands the sun to stop. Now we know God had to stop the universe. It said that, that was the first day that God hearkened to the voice of a man. And that's Old Testament. Yikes. Why? Why? Well, because God told Joshua, as I, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. No man will be ever, ever be able to stand before you all the days of my life, all the days of your life. Fire. Fire's kind of a serious thing. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into a fiery furnace, and the fire didn't even kindle upon them. Authority over all the earth. Wind, sea, fire. Jesus walked on liquid water. I wonder if he knew something. See, you can't even hardly teach this because religious people just freak out. Because they'll be like, oh, who do you think you are? I'm like, well, time out. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I think I'm a child of God. Right, right. And none of this has anything to do with I'm anything special. No, it's him. Right. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're just a human? I mean, if you're a Christian, you've got God on the inside of you. And God said, I give you dominion over all the earth. Boy, let, there's a little bit of revelation in there that we've never seen. It says here, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. I love that because Satan creeps on the earth. You have authority, dominion over creeps. I heard a story about a man, a Christian man in Chicago, that a guy held him at gunpoint and said, give me all your money. And the guy goes, no. He goes, I'll shoot you and kill you. And he goes, I'm a child of God. Pull the trigger, it won't fire. The guy goes, click, click, click. He goes, give me the gun. And the guy's like, hands it to him. He literally takes the gun and he shoots it and it goes off and he hands it back to him. Why? Because the unseen governs the seen. Is it because that guy, see, oh, well, that guy was just so great. No, no, no. No, it's because God's so great. Jesus raised the dead. He calmed storms. He fed 5,000 men and their families with what? Five loaves, or what is it? Five loaves and two fish? Yeah, something like that. He cursed the tree, walked on water. He had authority over gravity. Wow. See, Adam got disconnected from God but Jesus' redemption connected us back. Amen. But now we have to renovate our minds so that we can live out of our spirit. Because your mind is going to pull you, right? This is so important. Romans 12:1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living and holy sacrifice unto God. That's a really weird news thing. I mean, God gave Paul, a Pharisee, that revelation. Paul could, he, he could quote the whole Old Testament. He knew everything about every sacrifice. Do you know how many living sacrifices there were? There were not one. But your, your flesh is to be a living sacrifice. Right? We're to yield our bodies as dead to sin and alive to God. In other words, you're to live like you're dead. But if you know what God's word says about it, it becomes logical. It becomes your reasonable service. Okay, of course. Because I was crucified with Christ. Right? You make a one-time decision of this when you receive Christ and then you walk this out daily your whole life 
You beat your flesh black and blue. You keep it on that altar. You have to, otherwise you will start walking by sight and trying to figure everything out and there's no fun in that. You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ, then reckoning yourself dead to sin, right? That's how you live. That's a living sacrifice. This is how you and I live a sanctified life. See, Satan will constantly try to ignite your flesh for the purpose of you not being a living sacrifice because he wants to separate you from faith so that he can contain you so that you can never, ever operate the way, he, the way God intended you to operate. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 will show us how to walk this out. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you could prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, renewing your mind is the key to you walking in the victory that Christ has given you. You find your answer in God's word, you renew your mind to it, and then you walk in victory. That's the progression. So in your life right now, I want to encourage you, homework, take some time, list everything in your life that does not look like what God's word says it should look like. Get two to three scriptures on each of those things and then let God, he will show you which one to work on first. And then you start meditating in those three verses and you start renewing your mind to them which will cause you to walk in victory. And that's how you do this. <clears throat> Reading God's word is not enough. You have to renew your mind to it. So important. You got to get God's word down on the inside of you. Why? So that you can reckon yourself to be who God says you are instead of what the world is telling you you are. <clears throat> The world will tell you this is who you are because your credit score is 600 or 500. The world will tell you who you are if your credit score is 850. Oh, I'm somebody. No, 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 no. Don't fall for either of those lies. God doesn't even want you operating in that system. See, what it, why is it the good, acceptable, perfect will of God? Is it three wills? No. It's one will for your life. It's talking about a progression. You enter God's perfect will in degrees. Why? Because the renewing of your mind is a process. Does that make sense? God progressively develops his children. So just work out what he's working in. Don't worry about the other 18 areas of your life. He has your back. Right? <clears throat> Paul is talking about the progression of walking in the will of God as you renew your mind to the word of God. See, what is the difference between being conformed and transformed? Hang with me. I'm almost done. What's the difference? Whether I'm being conformed to the image of the world or am I being transformed by the renewing of my mind? The difference is who is going to change you. Is the pressure from the outside going to change you? Or is God's word on the inside going to transform you? That's the difference. Being conformed to the world means the pressure from the outside of the world is, is, is greater than what you're feeding yourself from the inside. So you're be, and, and there's no middle ground. You're either being transformed or you're being conformed. Spiritual growth happens in your life when you align your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions to what your spirit already knows and sees from God's word. You will not grow spiritually if your spirit 
does not already know and see things in God's word because you will have nothing to align your soul to. Does that make sense? That's how come, man, I'm telling you, God wants you to walk in a revelation knowledge of his word so that you could align your soul to God's word on the inside so that you're not governed by the feelings and emotions and what you see in your circumstances. Yeah, but pastor, I'm so lonely. Loneliness is a spirit. Tell it to leave your life. Because you're never alone. You are never, the God of the universe is always right there with you. He doesn't jump off your car when you go 56. <laughs> right? If you have a lifestyle and you're going into places you shouldn't go, you're walking, standing, and sitting where you shouldn't sit. He's not pleased because he can't get anything over to you, but he is still there. And the minute you turn to him, he'll start restoring your life. Why? Because that's what he's already given you in Christ. A little bit about the God kind of faith. Give you something to think about.